One of the challenges that I find that I face more or less every time I have to preach anywhere is knowing where to start and then having started where to stop. I will try not to go on. I have been notorious over the years for overstaying my welcome. Um, yes, it is Creation Sunday. I think these days creation and everything that goes with our thinking about creation can cause problems with the outside world. If you are a resident of certain of the states of America, you will be a creationist, you may even be a flat earther. The rest of the world looks on and wonders exactly where you got that idea from and is apt to view you with an element of mockery because, after all, we all know, do we not, that science has disproven the whole of creation it's all down to evolution, and we all know this, don't we? Well, maybe. Popular science will insist that there is no such thing as creation in six days and God resting on the seventh. It's all down to evolution, and science has proved it. Well, I'll let you into a little secret. That's nonsense. And I can say that quite safely because for six years I was a research scientist. That's not what I do these days. But for six years, I worked for a company that made wound dressings out of seaweed, as improbable as that might seem. And I was a research scientist. And the thing is, science is a game. It may not look like it, but it is. In the sense that there are rules, that there are things that you do, and there are things that you don't do. And you're supposed to play the game according to the rules. And the reason that I say that is that a large slice of what I would call popular science, which is the sort of thing that finds its way onto television and so on, doesn't play by the rules. It ignores the bits that it doesn't like, the bits that are awkward, the bits that are embarrassing. Like, for example, when your experiment goes belly up, and the results are exactly what you didn't expect, you have to say so. Like, for example, when there are big gaps in what you know, you have to admit as much and say, well, we don't know what's going on here. You don't have to go, oh yes, that's what must be happening there. You can't just sort of pluck something out of thin air and say, that's what's happening there. Science is supposed to be played with integrity. You report what you see, but you also report what you don't see. When, you see what, when what you see contradicts what you wanted, you report that. And the same with what, when things are not what you see. You report both what you see and what you don't, and you report it whether you like it or not. Scientists are supposed to 
look at some problem, some question, and say to themselves, what's going on here? Well, I think this is what's going on. So we now design an experiment to test what I think. And we get results from that experiment. And if we've done our thinking straight, then at the end of it all we say, ah yes, well, those results appear to support my idea, so that may be a good idea. And other scientists will go on and they will test what you have said and they will rerun your experiment and they will get their results and as long as their results tally with your results, everybody's happy. But you see, in amongst all of that is the flip side of the coin, which is that if some scientist repeats your experiment and doesn't get the same results, then suddenly your pet idea might be garbage. You might have to discard it. And this is really the major point I want to make. All of science is subject to review at any time and at all times. Science is essentially our best guess. It's what we think happened. It's what we think is going on. And it's the best guess we've got at the moment, given the information, the data, the experimental results that we have. This is our best guess. You can't prove a scientific theory in the legal sense of beyond all reasonable doubt. You can only say that according to what we know at the moment, this is how it works. And I've just described evolution in a nutshell. The whole theory of evolution and I'm not interested in what Professor Dawkins had to say on the subject, the whole theory of evolution is just exactly that. It is a theory. It's the best theory that we have at the moment, according to the information that we have. But it is certainly not proven. It's just as much up for grabs as any other part of scientific knowledge. And so when... People mock those of us who believe in a God who creates. They're standing on some pretty shaky ground when they're saying, oh, it's all down to evolution. It may well be. But you cannot prove that. And there are very, very large holes in the data that supports the theory of evolution. Yes, there's fossil evidence. But you'd be surprised how little fossil evidence there is. Our children at the moment are all into dinosaurs. Children, in my case, grandchildren. I was in a shop in Monmouth yesterday. And they had this collection of rubbery, plasticky dinosaurs. Very colourful. Some of them, you wouldn't want to touch that. It's got a lot of teeth. And I thought, isn't it a wonderful thing? That we build so much about dinosaurs on maybe one, maybe two fossils. We all know of Tyrannosaurus rex. I'm sure you've heard that name. The number of fossil skeletons that we have of Tyrannosaurus rex could be counted on these two hands. In fact, I think I only need one hand. And that's internationally, not just in this country. Most of the, the, fossil, the skeletons you've seen of a T-Rex are reproductions from another fossil. Now the point I'm making here 
is that there really isn't an enormous amount of evidence for so much of what popular science would have you believe is fact. It may be, but it is not indisputable. Now why am I saying any of that? Well, the reason I suppose that I'm saying all of that is because evolution is used as a tool to leave a god out of the picture and dismiss him as if he didn't matter, as if he was irrelevant, as if humans could live without God. Some people have their reasons for wanting to do that. I think in a lot of cases it is because the people who would so swiftly dismiss God want to live their lives the way they want to live them and they don't want to be encumbered by any sort of conscience or any sort of God who might just be looking down and saying, I'm not quite happy about that. You know? The idea that there might be somebody out there who's watching. There might be somebody out there who not only is watching and seeing what you're doing, but actually knows what's going on inside your head. That's an uncomfortable thought. I mean, damn it, I find it uncomfortable. And I've tried to live with that thought for 40 years. Because it isn't entirely comfortable knowing that God knows my every thought, usually before I know it. Well, invariably before I know it. That's uncomfortable. Or it should be. And so, yes, I can understand why there's this desire to put God out of the picture. Unfortunately, I would suggest that doing that is breaking just about every rule of the scientific game. You see, many years ago, and it is many years ago, I was in university, once upon a time. I was doing a degree in biochemistry. And I was warned almost on the first day in college, oh, beware of the God Squad, they're out to get you. Perhaps I wasn't quite wary enough. Turned out my next door neighbour was a member of the God Squad in uh, Hall of Residences, is now. And I started talking to him about my theory of life and how it worked and all the rest of it. He looked at me rather strangely and he said, I think you ought to read this and pass me a copy of John's Gospel. First mistake, I read it. Because I wanted to remain an atheist. Second mistake, I took it seriously. Third mistake, and I think God leaned on me over this one. I played reading of the gospel in the same way that I played a scientific experiment. Here is the data. Where does it lead? What does it show me? What does it say? You see, if you treat the Bible and indeed everything that's around us with the integrity that the the rules of the scientific game require then you find that you do have very little alternative but to confess that God is God and that you need him in your life. Well, that's what I found anyway. That's over 40 years ago now. There are times when I wish that I had not played the game quite so carefully 
when I wished that I had said, no, I'm, I'm going to break the rules on that one. Because sometimes serving God can seem like hard work. But it, that doesn't alter the fact that it is where the evidence, the data, the results point. The data points to a God who is creative. A God whose scope, whose imagination is way beyond anything that we can even begin to comprehend. You look outside there, perhaps not, today is not the best of days to do this because it's grey and there's descending damp in the air. But it's a remarkable creation, isn't it? Now I'm not going to say that evolution is impossible because I don't think that it is, funnily enough, in spite of everything I've just said. Because I believe that God was perfectly capable of saying, yes, let there be light. That's what Genesis chapter 1 verse 3 says. Let there be light. And there was light. But I wonder whether there was a bit more in the sentence that, um, or the paragraph I should say perhaps, that Moses didn't quote. And God said, let there be light. Let its velocity be three times ten to the eighth metres per second. Which is interesting because meters hadn't been defined then either. Let the energy that is carried by light be equal to Planck's constant times the frequency of the light. Now you can understand why Moses didn't quote that bit, can't you? But I wonder. Did God set the rules for how the basic foundations of the universe were to be? And then say, right... We'll start it. Now let's see how it develops. Let's see how it grows. And from time to time, we'll channel things where we want them to go. We'll make man. Man will be the pinnacle of our creation. And woman. Careful. Humanity. Humanity will be our vice-regent. Humanity will be given... The freedom to choose, the freedom to decide, the freedom to rule under us. Shame we didn't always make the right choices. The creation that we see today speaks of God's handiwork. Colic this morning is the line, teach us to discern your hand in all your works and your likeness in all your children to see the hand of God in creation to see the hand of God in our fellow people and then to respond appropriately to what we have seen to care humanity was given the task of caring for the creation into which God had placed us. Maybe we haven't done such a good job of that. I leave that to you to think about. But if we are to discern the hand of God in all that is, all that is around us, then first and foremost we have to seek for God for ourselves. Because... You won't know what you're looking for if you don't know what it looks like. 
And then when we know what we're looking for. I guess that's when we'll know how to care for it. And how to serve the God who, in his wonder, made all that is. And whose children all of us are. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.